Hello, everybody. Welcome to the DMN one-on-one podcast. I'm Chris Wood, Associate Editor of DMN, here today with Peter Rivera. Peter leads the innovation advisory practice in North America for Avanade, and uh, it's really great to uh, be here. Uh, you have me in this uh, really cool, flashy office. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for coming over. The Flatiron Building. Um, nice views. And, uh, you know, maybe you could start uh, just kind of giving me a little bit of your background just to give me an idea, you know. Uh, yeah, I've been focusing here. On, on technical elements of digital transformation for, in my view, 20 years, you know, overall. Um, uh, prior to uh, being at Avanade, I was at a, uh, uh, an innovation and engineering boutique called uh, Infusion that was purchased by Avanade. And before that, I was a senior vice president at AOL uh, and uh, you know, helped them with, with elements of transforming into the ad-supported content network that they are today. And, and my background is predominantly around digital agencies, really, and helping clients take advantage of uh, technology and all that it can do. Digital transformation is such, in the consulting space, it could mean anything for a lot of different companies. Um, What are the kind of different stages that you see uh, when you're going to a company, a client? Well, you know, it's every client's a little bit different. Every client is in a different place on their journey. Some are more advanced than others. uh, And we initially meet with them. It's one of those things around design thinking I think that's really important is being able to actually uh, work with a client initially to ask the right questions about where they are and what their current capabilities and culture are and can get, you know, are they ready, you know, overall. I mean, that's predominantly why we exist, is to help companies be ready and to take advantage of digital transformation. And when they're ready, though, you also have all of these other services to build out that experience. Exactly. Uh, one, of the, one of the core elements of the company is combining an advisory practice with an amazing digital studio to do experience design for consumers and for employees uh, and the engineering power to pull it off. Thousands of uh, you know, developers and engineers to actually bring an ambitious vision to life. You can't just have a great idea and a great strategy. You've got to be able to implement it and bring it to life in the market. And so like being able to pull it all together is the vision of the company. That's what we're about. And Crucial to this transformation is the user experience, um, employee experience, mm-hmm. your experience is inexperience. <laughs> and you were giving me kind of the, the tour of the place and, yeah. and kind of walking me through this, uh, yeah. kind of the evolution. It just, it's fascinating. I think the most, the most effective companies in this space really have designers and developers pretty much back to back, like working in real time. Um, 10, 15 years ago, the move towards agility really started to take flight. My early years are a lot of frustrating months, uh, you know, div- basically creating documentation of experience, right? And then we would, we would spend three months like documenting an experience in a vacuum, separate from engineering. And then we would dump this huge pile of documents in front of the engineer and we'd spend two days going through an RFP and a, or sorry, a, a, a requirements document and designs, etc. And then the engineer would say, well, we can't build this or we can't build most of this. It was a huge waste of time. And then there was that move towards Agile where strategists, designers, and developers, uh, you know, from, from a digital product and service point of view, are working together in real time. They're using real-time data to course correct their decisions. They're, they're empowered to be able to make that product as good as it can be, regardless of what it's being built for. And that has uh, shaved months off of the time of being able to get live. And a lot of our... Um, efforts are about acceleration, like how quickly can we get a win for our client in market? 
And so, uh, so the move towards agile really changed everything. And, and you know, most most of the people here are all uh, very much deeply versed in how to think in, with agility and how to leverage design thinking to solve problems. Um, and you mentioned uh, acceleration, so I'm I'm thinking like just with uh, technology and uh, and and kind of like the firepower that that we see. Uh, even though agility has been around now, you mentioned like over a decade, 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that move towards lean, you know, mm-hmm. um, software development practices, et cetera, has been around for a while. Yeah. So, so how does that process get accelerated then? What technologies are you using? Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the powers of our company is we're, we're uh, experts at the the Microsoft ecosystem of platforms. So there's a variety of different accelerators. Uh, you know, obviously that, that Microsoft as a leading technology company can help us leverage to get clients, you know, from A to, to you know, B and C and D much, much more quickly uh, than, you know, than, than otherwise. Uh, and we're, we're, we are experts at that. We, um, we also do uh, custom software application development as well, and you know are, are well versed in a whole variety of different technologies. I mean, simply put, the strategy dictates the technology to some extent of where we want to go with a client overall. And that's why I was mentioning before is that combination of strategy, design, and technology working together uh, that that actually helps to ultimately decide what is the right uh, technical uh, approach to to solve that business problem, and what is the right experience that solves that business or end user problem. Um, and that, that's you know the, the natural evolution of companies over the last few years. From the consulting side, Peter, um, what kind of corporate innovation programs are in place? Is it, uh, what what makes that kind of an offering that can help a client? Yeah, you know, clients clients come to us uh, because they need uh, an injection of innovation in their organizations overall. Um, they need a third party, if you will, to come in and, and help accelerate, you know, a, a digital product or service or platform, uh, and they need to reinvent certain, some some aspects uh, of their business. And we also are asked often, how can we be more like you? You know, what type of organizational structure do we need? What kind of talent do we need? Who do we need to attract? What kind of culture uh, do we need to have as an organization in order to be able to, to really take advantage of uh, the, the strengths of our own employees and unleash that, that, uh, that potential? So uh, being able to, it's very common for us when we're, when we're working very, very closely with a client to be basically training them, you know, in, in how to, uh, and, and how, to, how to think differently um, about agility, uh, about digital products and services, about platforms, about culture. Uh, and that's a that's a part of what we do as well. What are some of the old ways of thinking that you really have to almost like snap the client out of? Sure, <laughs> I, I, I think I think one of the biggest elements always, uh, and I think this is just true of anything, is you know it, it comes from the top, right? So so if you have leadership that's very command and control, uh, that that could immediately short circuit, uh, you know, an innovation oriented agenda because innovation in many ways comes from the bottom up, right? If you really unleash the power of your employees, you're going to get more ideas, bigger ideas, more proactive activities uh, in your organization. So a top-down mentality can sometimes, you know, uh, interfere with that. The nice thing is that actually most executives uh, have come around to this, right? You know, over 80 percent, you know, believe, uh, you know, in, in being able to deliver a great employee experience and to unleash the power of their employees overall, which, which is really good. The other big obstacles that you run into certainly 
are really the, the, the core technologies that the company's already been investing in. They may have legacy systems that are inhibiting them from being able to, uh, to, to really make an aggressive move in a new, a new direction overall. Uh, and they might have infrastructure that doesn't allow the quick integration of other ideas or other third-party services to help them move much more, much more, much more quickly. And they might lack the people that they need, right? The, the right talent and skill sets to take advantage of artificial intelligence uh, uh, and digital product and service road mapping and thinking overall. And that's often why they come to us. You mentioned artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, automation is a big mm -hmm. part of digital transformation. Um, and I think there still is kind of like a cultural resistance, or at least, it, I mean, what have you seen? Well, you can look at, um, automation in you know, a variety of different levels. And, I, and I, th I think in its most simple form, it's robot process automation, where you could take a complex business process and simplify it and, 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 and perform that task much more quickly. So like one of our uh, French clients, uh, Generali, an insurer, uh, insurance company, uh, using RPA or, or robot process automation, we're able to take a process that takes 72 hours and turn it into a one hour process. And you don't need an abacus to figure out, like, wow, that's got to be a significant return on investment for, the, for that respective company. I think most, you know, let's say fear, you know, comes out of, like, artificial intelligence. Is it going to take my job? Is it going to replace me, right, you know, overall? And there's that sort of natural reaction. What we see and what we recommend to our clients for the most part is that there are tasks that AI is incredibly good at, you know, going through mass you know, millions of pieces of information and looking for patterns and trends. But the empathy to act on and decision off of those insights is usually a more human-oriented role. So even though the role of the human will, will, will evolve and change, in many ways, AI frees up the, the employee to be able to focus on more high-value tasks. So we think it's a balance. We don't, we don't think it's like, you know, we're gonna, the companies are just going to be all a bunch of robots running around, uh, you know, overall, and everybody's going to be out of work. We think there's going to be a balance between uh, and that, that sweet spot, you know, between what can be automated and, and what still needs a human to perform it. You mentioned empathy and, uh, I mean, receptivity, really, uh, for a, a, a workplace innovator. I mean, mm -hmm. how do you engage that? And it seems like it does go back into kind of the, the workplace experience for the workers. Exactly. I mean, our data shows that companies that actually focus on the workplace uh, outperform the, the S&P 500 by 122%. So if you actually make your employees the center of your strategy, which is counterintuitive in a lot of ways. Most people are like, hey, let's go to the, the, the customer experience. And I'm not by any means saying don't focus on the customer experience. And the marketplace really too, important. right? But by giving your employees uh, the attention and the focus and the right tools to do their job by creating an environment by which they could be their best, you will see an incredible return. Those companies actually are 21% more profitable. Uh, you know, it's a great argument for making sure that your employees are, uh, you know, empowered to really do the best that they possibly can. It's a generational thing with, uh, with new technology or yeah. What do you see? Well, well, if you look, if you look at like the, the workforce now is you know uh, predominantly moving towards millennials, and uh, and then you have Generation Z rising, right? So they've all basically been using the best-in-class consumer-facing digital products and services for the last 
you know, 20 years as well, right? And, and uh, you know, uh, they're 100% mobile in the way that they actually uh, think about things overall. They're used to using services like Uber, you know, and, and having everything at their beck and call. The, the disconnect happens when, uh, you know, they come to a corporation and all the tools are incredibly antiquated and hard to use and very, very kludgy. Um, we've all been there, you know, <laughs> you're doing like to say your annual review and it's like save often because you might lose like two hours of work. Um, those, those things are unacceptable now, right, to the new workforce and the expectations that have been set in, in, in the consumer marketplace around apps uh, and services. And companies have gotten wisdom around this and, and are now investing in the employee experience, uh, much to their benefit, as I said before. It's a, it, it's a leadership position to have. It's much more uh, profitable. Um, they, by objective measures, get, get twice the, the customer satisfaction scores uh, as companies that don't focus on employee experience. So it is a drum we beat very often here. Um, as much as we think the customer experience is, is so, so critical and we don't do anything without going out and speaking to customers uh, and speaking to employees firsthand. But, but if you actually invest in the, in the employee experience, you're going to see some great returns. The employees are already acquainted with a consumer experience right. that is a customer experience. That's right. A so is it really set. about replicating that customer experience internally or where are there differences? It's really, it's not necessarily the specific Processes. It's more a focus on de good design experience and reliable technologies to pull that off, right? Um, take collaboration, for example. You know, you, you, you know, people are used to being able to to collaborate in real time in, in their in their personal lives. You know, whether they're using a social uh, media platform. You know, they're used to posting, getting response, being able to collaborate in a much more um, immediate way. You know, overall. And uh, employees, when you go to work, you want to be able to collaborate with your, with your, your peers and coworkers in exactly the same way. And, and, and a lot of companies fall short in that regard. There's silos. There's a lack of communication. Uh, that there, you know, whether, it's, whether it's the way that uh, information is shared and disseminated and broadcast across the organization or respective to a pod of people and how they interrelate and work together, they need to have the right tools. And those tools need to be at the same level of polish and quality and reliability is what they experience in the consumer world. Um, how important is, I'm thinking of like, you know, the paperless office, remote offices, how, how important is person-to-person uh, -person contact and like the workplace uh, layout? Yeah. I mean, this is a very compelling office here <laughs> in Avanade. Yeah. So. Well, it, it uh, you know, this, you've got to find a balance between uh, the fact that you may have a distributed workforce. I mean, we're a global organization, right. you know, uh, overall. And there are video-based technologies and digital whiteboards and collaboration tools that we've got that let us really feel like we're a community, even though we might be, you know, nations apart. Um, that that is actually a pretty uh, core component of it. That said, the physical environments, like in our main offices, you know, as you're you're noticing the lighting in this room, etc., and things like that. These nuances, these details, like you know, does all the um, AV equipment work. When you walk in, you plug in, you go, right? And I used to call it the presentation tax, where I'd, I'd be waiting 10, 15 minutes to figure out all the like AV problems mm -hmm. to present a deck, you know, and 25% of the time it's just been eaten. That is a very, very important part of really just thinking through the physical space. And is it designed in such a way that it really brings people together to share ideas, to collaborate? You know, as you notice our tables, you can write on our tables, you can write on the windows, you can write on the walls, and everything is open to express an idea, and that 
conveys the values of the company inherently, right? You know, what are we about? We're, we're about ideas and bringing ideas to life. The space should represent the values of your company and the way that you want your employees to be able to, to work together and be happy, basically. Happy employees are productive. And again, you mentioned like the presentation tax, I'm thinking like happy customers and impressing the customer. But again, it's almost like if it, it's kind of a worker's market, you know, in terms of talent um, to attract the top talent, you want to impress them. It really, it's, a, it's just a really very, it's a great point. Uh, you know, it is a battleground for talent, you know, in, in many ways. And if you are investing in an experience that's really tailored to their expectations, your hiring and your retention is going to, of course, be much more healthy. Uh, than otherwise. Digital transformation as a term is one of those things. It, frankly, it's like the word innovation. You know, it, it's, it's pretty tired, you know, like, you know, and it's like, what exactly is it, you know? And, and uh, you know, we are, we're partners with uh, MIT and uh, uh, they have a program called Scissor that is you know, researching um, thousands of companies and, you know, patterns and trends across them all. And it come down to like a few things that every company to really be good at digital transformation uh, needs to really embrace. Part of the issue around digital transformation and this fatigue around transformation is that the companies aren't really thinking about it holistically enough. So they'll do an initiative that's like a slice of it and it may fail, but they're not necessarily starting with the idea that it's actually going to, it's like a spider web, it's going to influence a whole bunch of other factors. And some of those factors really are around, um, instead of just starting with like, let's make an app. You've got to really think about the business process or the, or the workflow that someone's going to do. So that's the first thing is, is business process itself. Another element is, are you, do you have good learning and development programs? Are you growing and nurturing your people uh, in the right way and, and helping them to reinvent themselves on a near annual basis? Change is happening so quickly that if, you, you know, if your skills are three years old, uh, I'm sorry to tell you, you, know, you're, you, you shouldn't be getting a great review this year. Like you've got to constantly reinvent yourself uh, overall which um, ties to culture, uh, and which I, I think is the hardest thing to crack. Um, being able to evolve a culture, and as I mentioned to you before, it is a top-down type of thing. You know, um, if you've got a command and control structure, that's not, that's not great. You know, and, and it has to be basically reinvented to one of empowerment uh, of the employees overall. Um, last, and I think it holds it all together, is basically data and measurement. Most companies that we interface with and work with have not yet pulled together a cogent strategy around data and analytics and measurement. Like literally, you know, if you think about uh, a runner at the Olympics, it's like everything gets down to shaving seconds off of an Olympic time or fractions of a second off an Olympic time. Yet our workforce is pretty much, you know, everything's just efficiency is kind of like a rumor. It's not necessarily something that's, that's, that's appropriately measured and, and, and maintained. So uh, data and analytics um, uh, is a really important part of what we do here as well, is making sure that our clients are setting the proper benchmarks and being able to actually measure the performance of, of the initiatives that they roll out. I like the simile you used before of the spider web, you know, the image yeah. of the spider web and how, you know, you, you are jumping around on one side and it yeah. can go across the web to the other side. And that to me is like culture, you know, the culture right. of the workplace affects everything. And, uh, and so does data, data and measurement, that everything can be measured. 100%. Like, you know, so you roll out a new tool to your employees, but you haven't thought about how you're really going to train them. You haven't thought about the environments by which they need to use them. Is it, is it even good to use on a mobile device? Oh, no, you have to be in the office to use it. Boom, that's already a demerit. 
Um, is it reinventing a process? Is it taking something that might take 32 steps and bringing it down to five steps or no steps? Um, a lot of the things that we're doing are voice activated now, or you can just literally speak to your phone and get a get it get a, an issue resolved. You know, there, so frictionless is a word we like to use all the time. Like, how can you literally make something almost invisible, right? And this is where this is where AI and automation are going to make a massive amount of impact because a lot of business process can actually be automated, and you know, and you don't need an individual person to monitor everything that, that that's exactly right that's exactly right and that person can be freed up to work on more high value activities for the organization well uh, I mean gave us a lot to think about here Peter uh, just about this uh, entire process and uh, thanks so much for having some time uh, to speak with us today thank you for having me this was a lot of fun and again this is the DMN one-on-one podcast and thanks everybody for listening and find more content on dmnews.com thank you